When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Tuesday, August 16th, just baseball show, and I'm coming out with a boiling hot take on the Chris Woodward firing. He is done as the manager of the Texas Rangers. You ready for my boiling hot take, Peter Apple? Yes. Can I give you a mildly hot take before just to get the people into it real quick? Yeah. The Texas Rangers will win tonight with Glenn Otto on the mound. It's one of the craziest systems ever. You fire your manager, they immediately win after. It's Glenn Otto versus James Caprillion. Recording on that day. Check back with us tomorrow when the Rangers win 8-2. to Yeah, this is totally a stick it to the man game for the Texas Rangers. All right, my boiling hot take. Um, I'm with John Heyman. A little bit surprising. (laughs) That's my hot take. What do you think? Oh, fuck. (laughs) I saw Heyman said after it, he was like, this is how they should have expected this season to go. And like traditionally, if, you know, the old saying, I think Feinstein said this immediately after, like the old saying is, uh, and I've heard this a billion times. You can't fire the players, so you fire the manager. Like he's the he's the first one to go. Isn't this how the season should have gone? Like they were a hundred and two loss team last year. Yeah, they pay for the middle infield. They're twelve games under five hundred. Did you really think that Texas was going to be better than this? I no. I think I disagree with the firing over Chris Woodward. Like I don't know what he could have done. Again, it's yeah. the manager conversation that gets me so upset. Like how much are these managers actually managing? It comes down to the point with a lot of these guys is what is their relationship like with the players? Maybe they know something we don't. Maybe he doesn't mesh well with Semyon or Corey Seager or some of these pitchers. We don't know. What we do know is that they have been better than last year when they gave $500 million to Corey Seager and Marcus Semyon, but nobody expected when you have no pitching to be a real powerhouse, especially in a division where the Mariners have been awesome. The Astros are maybe the best team in baseball outside of the Dodgers and the Mets, and we can go through it, but the Astros are probably the best team in the American League. What did you expect? I think a lot of people expected you to finish fourth, and you're in third. Like, talk about the Angels for a second. How's the firing of Joe Madden gone? Right. Not well. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, that's kind of what I have to say, too, and, like, 
they're 51 and 63. I, I probably would have handpicked 51 and 63 for the Texas Rangers at this point. Like there, there was no world they were going to be super successful. And, um, you know, he's the fourth manager fired so far this year. Joe Girardi, obviously that team was drastically underperforming. They got the kick in the ass from Rob Thompson and Rob Thompson might be the manager for the Phillies next year because it was a galvanizing moment. They fired Joe Madden in Anaheim because the Angels were drastically underperforming. They had lost, what, 12 in a row, 14 in a row. Uh, and Phil Nevin can't do anything, so they're going to hire somebody else now. Uh, Charlie Montoyo, like the Blue Jays were underperforming. We expected them to be one of the favorites in the American League. They turned into a team that should make the playoffs, but certainly not a contender. Um, so they relieved the manager of their duties. All three of those teams were underperforming. You can't tell me that the Texas Rangers are underperforming right now. They're just performing. Um, and I, I don't think that's worthy of parting ways with Chris Woodward. Now, I understand that Woodward has made headlines over the last three years. Um, you know, chances are with the Rangers and how bad they've been under Chris Woodward. Like, I think he had a winning percentage just over 400 his first year in 2019. They were a bad team in 2020, only 60 games. They, again, were 16, 102 in 2021. And then this year, they're 12 under 500. For a national audience, the two times I think you will have heard Chris Woodward's name in the last three and a half years is when Tatis hit that home run 3-0. Um, that's when Woodward spoke out about that. Um, but obviously Woodward didn't understand the severity of Tatis's ringworm that he was going through and had no sympathy. Um, Honestly, maybe that's on Woodward, <laughs> right? Maybe that's on Chris Woodward. And then the other time is when he called Yankee stadium, a little league ballpark this year. So <laughs> I understand like, that's not the best. My thought is maybe Chris Young sees the window of contention opening soon with guys like Jack Leiter, Kumar Rocker. Cole Wynn, how about Owen White, getting up very soon. You've got the pitching to go with the offense that's coming up as well in Young, in Duran, and guys that are already up in Adolis Garcia and things like that. Um, maybe he just didn't see Woodward as the guy to actually win when the Rangers are ready to win. And he just guaranteed his team a win because they're going to beat the A's today. Correct. So maybe, maybe you take that and you're like, well, we weren't going to win today and we need wins. How do okay. you get free wins? Fire manager, unfortunately. New approach. 162 managers, 162 games. You're going to win every game. I don't know what to tell you. Dude, if you, if you lose, fire the guy. He's not doing his job, obviously. I'm very excited to start speaking about some August performers, but I did stat dump last night. It was one of those Sunday nights where it was 11 o'clock at night and Sunday night baseball between the Yankees and the Red Sox ended in two hours and 15 minutes. One of the yeah. quickest Yankee Red Sox schemes that I've ever seen. And one of the quickest in the past 21st century. I think this, the, the fastest there was one in, century, yeah. in the past 21st century. There was one faster, I think in 2006 and then in 1998, but they were comparing them and, and that's where it was. But so that's what I was doing and, yeah. and just want to let Blue Jays fans know that I was diving into Burrios and it's way worse than you might have even thought. Yeah. Tony Gonsolin has allowed 71 hits this year. Jose Burrios has allowed 76 earned runs. Jose Burrios has allowed 26 home runs. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Lordy Scurriel Jr. have combined together to hit 28 home runs. How about Yankee fans yelling at ICAF for being this terrible shortstop. What if I told you that the freak talent in Pittsburgh, O'Neill Cruz, and ICAF have the same exact WRC plus? 
another guy that we're probably going to talk about in some underperforming. Actually, you know what? That's a good segue. That's a good segue to get your stat head going a little bit. I mean, rev me up a little bit. WRC plus, does that get you fired up? It gets me fired up. What about you, Jack? Yeah, no, I'm in on the lowercase W. Lowercase X, you can get that out of my face, damn it. But lowercase W, I'm all the way in. Do we have any other kind of little avenues to cross before we get into some of these top performers? Because there's plenty of them in August. Because we did see a lot of surprising performances. And we really covered like April to July. But I feel like we haven't really done a dive on what's kind of happened after the all-star or excuse me, after the trade deadline. Yeah. It's just like a, what have you done for me lately type thing. And I, we're just going to, you know, fly through that. I think August 15th. Yeah. August 15th. Um, I want to go through some of the great pitching matchups that we're going to see last night. If you're listening on Tuesday morning and tonight and possibly on Wednesday too, because this is a great front of the week to be a starting pitcher. So I want to fly through that at the tail end. Um, but yeah, I was uh, I was also talking to you about Soroka possibly being ready for a return. Mike mm. Soroka. And I, I think people forget how good Mike Soroka actually was in 2019. And Mike Soroka, a uh, little less than two weeks ago, just celebrated his 25th birthday. So this is a young guy. I want to say he's, is he in Anderson's age? Ian Anderson might be like six months younger than Soroka. But Soroka, what he did finishing sixth in Cy Young voting being an all-star and finishing second in NL Rookie of the Year voting in 2019 as a 21-year-old was exceptional. He had a 2.68 ERA in 174 and two-thirds innings. He faced 701 hitters. Soroka allowed 14 home runs. That is nothing. Soroka's a ground ball wizard. We saw Lance McCullers come back this weekend. McCullers, of course, walked multiple guys, but guess what else he did? He allowed zero earned runs. Um, McCullers is back for a contending team. Soroka can come back for a contending team. Walker Bueller might be coming back for a contending team. Dustin May is all the way back. He is shoving in the minor leagues. He's going to be back for a contending team. It's going to be really hard to hit when you can start to see your breath in October. Yes, it will be. Just to finish up on your Anderson point, he is 24 years old, born May 2nd, 1998, younger than me. Yeah. So Soroka born August 4th, 97. He he just turned 25. So with Soroka looking like he could possibly be back is kind of crazy to me. And people forget how good he truly is. And oh, by the way, we just talked about it a little bit yesterday. Um, absolutely ruthless from the Braves running out three guys to finish a four game sweep of the Marlins in Miami. Kyle Muller and Ian Anderson were the two starters of the doubleheader on Saturday. They got called up from AAA. They are immediately optioned after their start. Bryce Elder gets recalled for his start on Sunday, punches out 10 Marlins, immediately optioned back to Quinette after his start. So they gave a two-day break to the starting rotation, finished off a sweep in which they allowed, I want to say, like seven runs across those three games. They're a wagon, dude. Atlanta should be scary as hell for other National League teams. Starting pitching wins championships. And when you have it in your front five and you work all the way down to minor leagues with guys like Ian Anderson, Bryce Elder, striking out 10 against the Marlins. I know it's the Marlins, but they're a big league lineup that he carved through. Pay attention to the Braves. Not to mention, we're just talking about starting pitching. How about the night shift? I know Seattle wants to call themselves the night shift, and for good reason, because they've been incredible. But 
there is no night shift like the Braves when they get going with AJ Minter, with Tyler Matzik, with Colin McHugh, with Kenley Jansen, with Rossiel Iglesias, with, I mean, you, we just continue and continue to go down. There is no break in the starting pitching. When you have Matt Olson, you have Austin Riley, and you have Ronald Acuna doing the LeBron thing in front of four thousand people in Miami. Vaughn Grissom and Michael Harris this year. I mean, Michael shit. Harris too. I mean, this 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 is one of the most, I guess, underrated teams. Weirdly, but they're the so Mets get all the shine good. for good reason. But they are so. Good. I mean, they're a top five team in baseball. They're so 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 good. All right, let's get into a uh, best and worst performers of August. Perfect. Before we get into it, though. We're going to do a little mid-roll ad read. You know why? New merch on Just Baseball, and it's fire. Yes. You like an athletic long sleeve? We got you. The white, it's in gray. It's in our episode description. Get yourself a long sleeve Just Baseball tee. They're phenomenal. We also, under overpopular demand, I don't yes. even know if that's the way to describe Overpopular demand? Uh, due to popular demand. Due to popular demand, rope hats are back. Rope hats are back, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so I've got the hoodie and the dad hat. Um, and I've got this from uh, a little bit earlier. You've got the not gambling advice tees. We're both wearing just baseball shirts right now. Um, I've got a question. Full transparency. If I were to text our merch guy, Kendall McKee, mm-hmm. do I get an athletic long sleeve for free and the rope hat for free? Or... Am I paying like the other peasants that are about to pay? <laughs> like the other common it. folk? Am I, I above the common folk? You, you might get 10% off if you're nice. You know? You know? Okay, because fine. You know, how about this? If if the White Sox don't get swept by the Astros, like if they pull out one of these games, and we're going to talk about the pitching matchups at the end, if they pull out one game, you get it for free. If they get swept the whole series. I pay double. You're gonna, no, no, you don't have to pay double. You just have to pay. Oh, just, that's fine. You just have to pay. Is that a fair argument right now? Is yeah, I'm rich. I can I can pay double for these things. I like it. Well, the good thing is that the common folk that you just make fun of are our listeners who I love so much. They get it not paying double. It's in our episode description. Please get yourself some merch. Best way to support a podcast, as well as if you're enjoying, leave us a like, comment on YouTube, or if you're listening to this on audio, give us a five-star review. Do you remember when we had the promo code fade Jack for, for a merch sale? And like, I don't even bet I would just give advice and it would always be wrong. Always. It's a tough game out here. That's why it's not gambling advice. Yeah, it's never gambling advice. Um, Yeah. All right. Let's get into the hot and cold sheet in uh, the front half of August. Okay. The number one hitter in August is actually easy. I know you might bring up Aaron judge later and Aaron judge for good reason is walking more than he's striking out, but the hottest hitter in August, no doubt about it is a Los Angeles Dodger. And his name is Max Muncy. And it is so good to see him back. Remember the same Max Muncy, the Dodger fans were saying shouldn't be in our lineup right now. The same Max Muncy who had Tommy John surgery hasn't looked the same. Didn't want to take his bat off his shoulders, looked injured. No more. In August, I know it's a short sample, but this has not been just August. This has really been since the All-Star break. But in August, 
The dude is hitting 400 with a 475 on base percentage, a 284 WRC plus number one in baseball to give him five home runs. He's striking out more than you thought, but he's still walking 12 and a half percent of the time. He's played 10 games, five home runs, he's hitting a home run every game. He has more RBIs than games played right now. Max Muncy is on fire. And if he's a guy who's on fire for the Dodgers, good night. Because he just gives their lineup so much more depth. A guy who's going to take a bunch of pitches. We talk about Mookie, Trey Turner, and Freddie Freeman. Max Muncy, at his best, is at least in that same breath with those type of hitters. You know, with Gavin Lux performing much better, too. This lineup is crazy lethal. And Max Muncy, if he's back, it's going to be tough for other teams. It's going to be really tough for other teams. Um, Who else you got? Because I know you're going to fly through about three or four guys per like hot hitters, hot pitchers, cold hitters, cold pitchers. Um, and I'll just add other guys that I think deserve a little bit of recognition. Absolutely. So how about another guy who's not been performing that well this year, but has now taken his game to a new level. And I kind of see it continuing because when this guy goes unconscious, he's one of the better hitters in baseball. That's Alex Bregman on the yeah. Houston Astros. The guy's walking 18% of the time and striking out 6% of the time. You just don't see that really besides like a guy like Juan Soto. But Alex Bregman is hitting 400 to Juan Soto hitting 366. Alex Bregman has a 234 WRC plus, which places him fourth in all of baseball. He's got three bombs in 12 games. He has more runs than games played. Everything about Alex Bregman is screaming, I'm back. Don't worry about trash cans. It's a cheap joke. But Bregman has been really, really hot. And again, the reason why I love bringing these guys up is when we talk about Houston, when we talk about Los Angeles, you remember guys like Jordan. You remember guys like Jose Altuve. But if guys like Bregman can just continue to rake like we've seen in seasons past, these lineups become all the more dangerous, especially with Michael Brantley now out for the year. You get Bregman doing Bregman things, another really dangerous lineup. Yeah. 100%, Hundred percent, man. Um, no, I mean, what what Bregman supplies to the Houston Astros is just more depth now, and I, I think that a lot of people were expecting Alex Bregman to be one of those guys as the star and the focal point of this team. But that was before Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker were even glimmering in the eye of Astros fans as a hope. Um, so when they signed Bregman to that big money, that high AAV money. Um, you know, they were expecting Bregman, Altuve, honestly, maybe Correa to be a part of that. Um, Garrett Cole was still on the team. Like the way the Astros have transformed and the way that they can rely on Framber Valdez and Christian Javier in the rotation and rely on Jordan and Jeremy Pena and Kyle Tucker is hilarious to me because they have sneaky turned into a factory. Absolutely a factory. I think that's a, it's a perfect way to describe it. And just one more thing on Jeremy Pena. He's a guy who we're not going to talk about in worst performances in August because he's been a bit banged up. Now he's still a bit banged up, but he has not been the same hitter that he was. Still playing great defense, but not the same hitter that he was. Let's move on. First, I just want to touch on Juan Soto for a second. I don't know if you were going to say him, but I think it's important just because I was talking about him. Um, since he's joined, really, the Padres, he's been unconscious since August 1st, I know one of those games was at the Nationals, but I'm going to put all of them with the with the Padres. The dude's in 366 with the 634 slugging, 23.6% walk rate to 7.3% K rate. You don't see that ever. You see that right now from a guy like Bregman, 
and a guy like Juan Soto. That's how good Bregman has been. But again, Juan Soto, he's got two bombs. He's got 11 runs scored. Not as many RBIs. But if we're just talking about dudes hitting the living shit out of the ball, Juan Soto is that guy right now. But the guy I really wanted to touch on, and the and the guy who ruined the perfect game for Drew yeah. Rasmussen yeah. is Jorge Mateo with the Orioles. And I think the Orioles are one of the more exciting teams in baseball. And this guy, Jorge Mateo, has kind of been thrown around a little bit, kind of disrespected, always known as a glove first guy. But when he gets going, he can be really a five-tool threat. In August so far, the dude is hitting 381, 435 on base, 690 slugging, three home runs, three stolen bases in 12 games, double-digit runs and RBIs to give him a 219 WRC plus. That is sixth in all of baseball. And in that same time period, he's sixth in war because he is such a good defender. Jorge Mateo could be kind of figuring it out with the Orioles. Now, is he going to hit 380? Of course not. We just took a small sample from August. But what this shows is that he has the potential to be possibly an above average shortstop when I don't think anyone was putting above average in Jorge Mateo in the same sentence for the prior every part of his career. Yeah, I mean, like, Jorge Mateo is a big prospect at one point, but he fit into the bucket of not being able to steal first base. Billy Hamilton, you can't steal first base. You can steal every other base except first. Adalberto Mondesi, you can't steal first base, and you got to stay healthy. Mateo couldn't steal first base to save his life. Now he's getting on base, and he's putting his freakish athleticism to good use. Um, It's only two weeks, but... Uh, I love Ore Mateo. And I know talking to a decent ma- amount of Orioles fans, like they are really enjoying what Jorge Mateo has done for them so far this year. Um, I'd be kind of excited if Mateo was my guy. And it feels like a stopgap of sorts. I think they could be big fish hunting. Uh, they could be big game hunting uh, this free agent period. There are going to be a lot of good shortstops. Don't be shocked if Baltimore goes and grabs a shortstop. And oh, by the way, they've got a pretty solid shortstop in Norfolk right now. That's uh, why his first name surprised. is spelled G-U-N-N-A-R. Yeah, Gunnar Henderson, one of the best baseball names I can think of. Yes. But why would they go grab one? I would be totally shocked if they would. Not not that they are not going to spend. I do believe that they are. Yeah. I mean, Elias even came out and says that this is still the plan that they are going to add. Yeah. But at the same time, do we really think that shortstop is the area when they have Gunnar Henderson and arms going to come out with this top 100 update? And I'm not going to spoil it, but Gunnar Henderson is going to be clearly up there. And then you have Mateo performing like this. I almost think trade Mateo at peak value, go get starting pitching deal hall making his debut. Didn't wasn't great, but the stuff is there. He's going to be a good big leaguer. Go get starting pitching. Use a guy like Mateo peak value. Don't sign a shortstop. I don't think. Right. Like, what, are you going to um, go get Trey Turner? No, I mean, so Gunner can move to third. I do think so. True, true. The beauty is with Mateo, like, he's not – I don't think Jorge Mateo is a starting shortstop, and I don't think many around the league consider Jorge Mateo a starting shortstop. I don't know. He's been a good – he's been a good starting shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles this year. But remember, the Baltimore Orioles, like, they were not expecting to be as good as they are right now, not even close. Mateo has three years left before he hits free agency. Like he's got all three years of arbitration left. Mateo's never been an everyday guy. I think you've got an exceptional utility guy who you can slap in the outfield. You can play at second base. You can play at shortstop. And I also think, um, and just reading a lot about Gunnar Henderson 
and knowing how Aram views Gunnar Henderson and knowing how the Orioles could be viewing Gunnar Henderson, he might be set for a move to third base. Like he might not be a shortstop for the foreseeable future. Yeah. You just took a shortstop one, one in Jackson holiday. Like I wouldn't mind at all. If Gunnar was the shortstop on opening day for the Orioles next year, but think about where Bobby Witt's been playing a lot. Witt, Witt played a lot of third base at the beginning of this year. Why can't Gunnar do that too? Um, if, if Xander Bogarts is out there, if Dansby Swanson is out there, if you're Mike Elias, who, quote, wants to significantly escalate the payroll, which is a hilarious way to say we're going to spend money. Um, kind of fires me up, though. I like how he said that because it's yeah. not any different from just saying, like, we're going to spend on free agents. We're going to excessively <laughs> significantly the escalate the payroll. You know, a lot of that comes from arbitration hearings, too. So I, I, I think that. The number is just going to be not criminally low anymore. Yes. Uh, we can save that for Tampa being criminally low. Um, but yeah, like I, I think Mateo fits in a utility role. Um, and, and I think uh, I think we're moving forward. All systems go here. Uh, two more guys that I want to shout out in particular. Joey Manessis is the first one. Joey Manessis in his first 10 major league games has five bombs He's got an 829 slugging and a 1276 OPS. This cat, Joey Manessis, is a 30-year-old rookie from Mexico. Manessis has signed, if I have it right, four minor league free agent contracts. He signed as a free agent back in 2011 with Atlanta. So that's where he started his career after being an international free agent signing. He then was granted free agency in 2017. Ahead of 2018, signed a minor league free agent deal with the Phillies. He was released by the Phillies after the 2018 season. Ahead of the 2020 season, he signed as a minor league free agent with the Boston Red Sox. He was granted free agency at the end of the 2021 season. He signed as a minor league free agent with the Washington Nationals this year. And now Joey Manessis is taking the world by storm. Manessis started as a 19-year-old in the Dominican Summer League. Think about that 2020. 19 season where he wasn't playing right how did he fill it uh he was playing in japan he played 118 games or he played at 28 games in japan like this guy didn't play well in japan right he uh he hit 206 in 29 games in japan he was an oryx buffalo in 2019 like fire name yeah pretty fire name but um i this guy has much like Winton Bernard, who I'm not sure if you guys touched on at the end of last week, but Winton Bernard, that 31-year-old rookie with Colorado, these guys mm -hmm. just make do. Like when they get knocked down, they just get back up and say, fuck it and keep on yeah. going. Joey Manessis and Winton Bernard are the reason that everybody seeks this dream because that is a 30-year-old coming up and mashing. That is a 31-year-old FaceTiming his mom and seeing her in tears and him crying before the game legging out an infield single and swiping a bag immediately following. This is why we love baseball. Two things. First, nationals need to start calling up more 30-year-old rookies because a guy like Yadiel Hernandez has been one of their best hitters again this year. Second thing, to have the mental fortitude to be able to do this, it's one thing to hit at the big league level. It's another thing to on your back, knowing everything that you went through, knowing you could be sent down at any moment, feeling that pressure, and then still hitting at the big league level. That's why I always give so much respect to these lifer minor league guys who get their shot. 
I love these kinds of stories. And for these guys to be performing well only makes it all the more sweeter. I hope this guy stays up with the Nationals. I hope he has more big league seasons in front of him because, I mean, there's probably few athletes tougher yes. mentally yes. than minor league lifers because you're getting paid $12,000 a year to sleep in a barn to go play the hardest sport on your body. You could say football, but you play 16 games. How about minor leagues where you're traveling all across the country into cities that you've never heard of with no sleep and bad food, trying to hit a 95 mile an hour baseball from a, from a young pitcher who has no idea where it's going. Yeah. Then he's got a hammer of a slider that's optimized by driveline and he has no idea where that's going either. Yeah. That type of shit is just, I respect the hell out of these guys. It's, I think they're the most mentally tough athletes that we have in our sport. The guys who can just make it through all of this shit and then perform. There's one thing, like if you struggle a ton, it's like, okay, I get it with all the pressure on your back. It makes sense. But then you, then you hit five home runs in 10 games. Yeah. I it's the best part of me thinks that it's freeing for these guys. And it, I'm sure Joey Manessis in part feels like he's playing with house money. It's like, I have gone to hell and back in baseball. I got my shot. I'm not even thinking about not blowing it because what happens? I just go back to the old life. Like I'm, I'm thinking about like, I'm up here. Let's have a blast right now. And that is somebody him and Winton Bernard are two guys that have probably never gotten complacent at any level in baseball. They have probably thought about quitting probably thought about hanging it up but they have never said um bored just another day at the ballpark they're all gunning for something like those two guys have been gunning for something for the last 12 years of their life and they finally got it in the last week and it is freaking awesome so yeah shout out joey Manessis, shout out winton bernard um there's another guy i want to hit christian walker yeah. dude is mashing the baseball right now christian walker in 13 games with Arizona in July, Walker has four bombs. In August or July? In uh, August. Sorry, in August. Christian okay. Walker, in 13 games in August, is hitting 347 with four bombs and 15 driven in. He's mashing, and he's not striking out right now either. Also, for you Padres fans that are pissed about Tatis being out, Trent Grisham's mashing the ball right now over his last dozen games. So kind of interesting to see those guys performing as well as they are. Two big names, Nolan Arenado, Aaron Judge, both top five in WRC plus, both hitting the cover off the baseball. Nolan Arenado has now moved into second in F war in all of baseball. Sneaky national league MVP for Nolan Arenado. Not saying he's going to win it, but very sneaky. Very sneaky with how great of a defender he's been as well. Look at Goldie and Austin Riley and tell me that Arenado's better. He's better in F4. Austin Riley. Look at Austin Riley and tell me. I know. That's why we said sneaky. I'm not saying he is the MVP. I'm saying sneaky. I think sneaky is more than fair when you're second in F4 in baseball. God, you're fine. Yeah, you're right. Austin Riley, like... He could be standing at third base with no glove, which is practically what he's doing right now, and he could still win MVP. That's how good the bat is right now. He hits a home run every other day. Yeah. Let's get into some stinky performers. Yeah. Stinky. I think you should leave. Yeah. Did you watch I Think You Should Leave ever? Tim Robinson on Netflix? I'm not I'm not that guy. I don't oh, like God. that guy that it's much. It's my favorite show, 
And I, that uh, guy is so cringe. I can't. I, I don't. I don't fuck with it. It's embrace not the cringe. No, dude. I, I like the office. I like the office. I, that just makes me upset. Another player who just makes me upset is Miles Straw. I mean, Miles Straw. It's hard to have a worse August than Miles Straw has had so far. How about a negative sixty-six WRC plus? I don't think I've ever seen that. So hundred is league average. Zero is a hundred percent less than league average. He's a hundred and sixty-six below percent below league average by that stat. In eleven games, he has a run. He hasn't walked. He's hitting 075, 073 OBP with a 100 slugging. Negative 0.5 F war while playing a good defensive center field. You cannot hit worse than Miles Straw is hitting right now, besides literally not getting a hit. Glaber Torres of the New York Yankees. Talk about not getting hits. Dude's hitting 128, 146 OBP with a 149 slugging. Negative 23 WRC+. plus actually a worse F war than Miles Straw because at least Miles Straw is playing elite defense in center field. Glyber Torres is playing average to below average defense in second base right now to give him a negative 0.7 war. Leads all of baseball negatively in August. Glyber Torres has been dreadful. How about a guy that surprised me being this slow, but not really because we, you know, we've been fading him on prize picks. Charlie Blackman is in 170. When you hit 170 with a lot of your games at cores, there's a problem there. The slugging of 170 is even a bigger problem to give a negative three WRC plus. How about not even playing good defensive right field or anything in the outfield? Negative 0.6 war. And he's play has 51 plate appearances, zero home runs. Give him a stolen base, but he's striking out 17.6% of the time and walking just two. Yeah. There have been some stinky performers, and this last guy who I'm going to wrap up with just surprised me that he's this low, and I think Mariners fans may be surprised that he's this low on some lists, but they're probably not after watching him in August so far. But Ty France has not been good. 25 WRC+, plus hitting 146 batting average with a 205 OBP. You know, you expect him not to strike out that much, but he is striking out 18% of the time. He's only got one home run in 10 games, not much else. Also playing below average defense. He's got a negative war right now. You just never see Ty France on negative performers in baseball, but he has been in August so far. Just a slow stretch. Also came back from injury. Not going to put it all on him, but I wanted it to just be known that Ty France has, you know, for a guy like Max Muncie, who Ty France and him kind of look like, sort of. Sort of, like gnome-esque. Gnome-esque, but both rake. Yeah, One has been raking. One has certainly been not. Yeah. Um, you mentioned off the top that it's hard to get worse than Miles Straw. There's one guy that has been worse than Miles Straw. Really? Yeah. Max Kepler is 0 for 27 That's in August. Not, at least he, yeah, you're right. But you know Miles what? Miles Straw has a hit, but he has more plate appearances and a, a bat. Silver lining for Kepler, he has walked once. So while the batting average might be flat goose eggs, Max Kepler with that walk has pumped his August OBP up to 036. But in your eyes, you don't love that. You're not a walk guy. I'm not a walk guy. So I, I'd actually prefer... Dock him. Yeah. I, I Negative 036? Negative. That is OBP? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not a walk guy, man. I'm, I'm a... Uh, but like Quan walks, that's my thing. Like Stephen Quan's my favorite player to watch right now. You're just so biased. It's crazy. I'm you like so walks, in but on you Quan. like the player. Dude, <laughs> but how can you watch Quan and not be obsessed? When the bat comes off of his shoulder, 
he is so, making contact. And when the bat does not come off of his shoulder, it is a ball. Yep. He's so incredible. Yeah. I'm in love with Stephen Kwan right now, but we're talking about shitty guys in the month of August. So like stay away from Kwan because Kwan is killing it. And he's a, th- he's a rookie hitting 300. Boom. There we go. Um, Connor Joe, King Joe, really, really sucking. He's one for 18 in August. Fart noise. Um, you know what Connor Joe leads in in all of baseball? Grit? Yes. Soft hitting percentage. Is that so among qualified players, does he have the lowest average exit velocity? I don't think it's the lowest average exit velocity. It's a stat on fan graphs. It's like hard hit rate, medium hit rate, and then soft percentage. And I'm pretty sure it's a designation of the amount of balls you've hit under a certain mile of exit velocity. So I would assume if you go into his baseball savant, what is he first percentile, second percentile on hard hit rate? All I know is soft percentage. Connor Joe was number one. Okay, you know who's uh, first in medium percentage? Who? Miguel Cabrera. Makes perfect sense. Makes you know who's sense. second, third, and fourth? Stephen Kwan is second. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, third. Luis Arise, fourth. I'm kind of in on the, on the medium, medium. hitting medium hitting percentage, yeah. You kind of did just list the top five hitters in baseball there. <laughs> sort of kind of did. Lowest uh, medium hitting percentage. Matt Chapman, one. Wilson Contreras, two. Rowdy Telez three, Byron Buxton four, Manny Machado five. You know who's making a run at Grand Ball King? Um, who? You know the answer is still Eric Hosmer. He leads he leads all of Major League Baseball in oh, Grand Ball. Another right. guy that I want to shout out right now, actually. Wait a minute. Who? Yeah. Say it. Christian Yelich. Yeah. 6.9% ground ball rate, second in all of baseball. Ground ball merchant. So Yelich in 11 games is hitting 167, the slugging 190 in August. I mean, Yelich had a really solid July, and here he is stinky again in the month of August. Yeah, I mean, he is riding the the ebbs and flows of this season. In July, Yelich had an 856 OPS. So far in August, a 490 OPS. Mm. Uh, Which Christian Yelich are we going to get in September? Because that might decide if the Brewers are going to the postseason or not. Seriously, it's so annoying. We we see you, Yelich. Just put the ball in the air, get that launch angle up. And you know, I, you know, the joke of the town is like, you know, maybe people don't give a shit about launch angle. But um, I was actually watching this this really cool TikTok video about Aaron Judge, and really, I mean, he doesn't have a hard a harder hard hit rate than previous years. But you know, in 2017, when he hit all these home runs, and now this year where he has 46 and looks unconscious, you know what the only real difference has been? Elevated launch angle. Yep. Yeah. You remember last year when we talked about Chris Bryant and the start of the season that he had? Yep. Elevated launch angle. You know why Ronald Acuna Jr. has not been hitting the home runs lately? Lower launch angle. Bad. Uh, You know what Ted Williams talked about when he was doing hitting tutorials in like the 50s and shit? Talked about launch angle. He talked about a slight uppercut in the swing. Launch angle's been around, folks. It's not an advanced metric. It's not really an advanced metric. It's literally just putting the ball in the air. Think about it. You put the ball in the air more, you're more likely to have better results. You put the ball on the ground with how talented these infielders are, more than often they're going to get to that baseball. You put the ball in the air. 20-second YouTube tutorial. You ready? Yes. Oh, God, I nearly hit it. I almost hit my lamp, and you hear this bat just banging around left and right. Damn. Okay, so a pitcher 
is throwing. This is what Ted Williams was saying in this damn YouTube. By the way, Connor Joe in the fourth percentile in average exit velocity. So there we go. Uh, it just this popped is a up. Pretty nerd. Is this a nerdy episode? Are we being too nerdy on this one? I, I don't feel think like so because we're talking about what Ted Williams said in, in like yeah. an instructional video. Yeah, if you think this is nerdy, shut it off. I got my goggles on. Yeah, we're good. So Ted Williams said a pitcher does not throw the ball from a flat surface. They're throwing a ball from a hill. They're elevated. They're working down. So a pitch is not coming in straight. It's coming down at a slight decline. So what's the best swing? Swinging straight? What's going to happen? You see what I'm saying? It's going to carry them and go straight or down if you're swinging straight. So if you swing with a slight uppercut, then it's coming straight off, which is in turn working up. You see what I'm saying here? That's exactly what you're saying. And all the people on YouTube see what you're saying too. And Williams I'm, said it before before the troops went to Nam, and here we are talking about this. I mean, I'm telling you, dude, this is this is an old jam. Basically, to summarize, um, if we have any little league players who are listening, shout out the Little League World Series. Drastic you, uppercut. Yeah. <laughs> hit nukes. Don't hit worry nukes. about moving anybody over. Stop bunting, hit nukes. Stop bunting. Throw as hard as you can. Throw out your arm if you need to. You know, there was never a major leaguer that now hasn't had Tommy John surgery. And like there's this thing called Clostaball or Clostaball yeah. that Clostest I think. Clostaball. And just say it was ringworm. <laughs> like, don't be a wuss. Say it was ringworm. God, that whole thing. Okay. <laughs> Let's go right. on to best pitchers. Chris Bassett doesn't give a shit about your launch angle. He's been elite. 20 innings, 0. 0.00 ERA. He's not the biggest striker guy in the world, but he doesn't care. He's 3 0. Striking out about seven and a half guys per nine, but he doesn't walk anyone. Feps look good. Everything looks good. Chris Bassett just watched him in person shove against the Phillies offense. Then has been hot lately. I mean, the Mets won that series pretty easily. The Phillies just couldn't really put anything hard contact against him. Here, the Phillies announcers just, you know, booing the Mets basically about how every single bloop they got, you know, resulted in in runs. Like that's how the Mets won it. But Philly fans, you, you got to score more than one to win. And you didn't against Chris Bassett. And Chris Bassett hasn't been allowing anything in the month of August. How about a lefty instead of a righty? Julio Arias for the Dodgers. It's only been in two starts, but he mean he's thrown 13 innings and he's given up one run. He's got a 0.69 ERA. He's got a 0.8 war, which is actually higher than Chris Bassett because he's been so otherworldly dominant, has not walked a single batter, and he's striking out almost 10 guys per nine innings. Julio Arias is that dude. Let's talk about a San Diego Padre, another lefty in that division. Blake Snell, who I'm becoming a stan of because it seems to me that if Blake Snell just has his command, he looks like Tampa Bay Blake Snell. And he's been proven over the last three starts. 1.02 ERA, 0.40 fit because he doesn't walk anyone. And he strikes at everybody under the sun. 13.75 Ks per nine, 1.1 war, leads all of major league pitchers in the month of August. He's 2-1. and one. You got a loss. Boo-hoo. It was that start where he faced the Giants um, right after, I think it was Sunday Night Baseball, where his offense just didn't show up. Not his fault. One run against the Giants. Shoved. Blake Snell, absolute dog in him. Another guy I just want to shout out real quick is um pretty good pitcher. Jacob DeGrom. He's pretty good. Um, 16 and two-thirds. 1.62 ERA. 15 strikeouts per nine. Yeah. Walking less than a batter per nine innings. Peak DeGrom is the most talented pitcher I've ever seen. But I'm 24 years old. Yes. I'll leave it at that. 
I yeah, I can't speak to the prime of Randy Johnson and Pedro Martinez and Greg Maddox. Um, obviously, Degrom throws a lot harder than Maddox ever did. Um, but like, what I would have done to see those four straight Cy Youngs from Randy Johnson, um, or like peak unit or Pedro, yeah, Pedro in so, the steroid era, just not allowing runs. That's yeah. why he's my goat. Because I just don't know how he was doing it in that era. Randy Johnson has to be up there too, the big unit, 6'10". Yeah. I, I just wish, like, if I had a time machine, I would want to go back for the entirety of one of those Cy Young seasons. Like, I would go pick the best Randy Johnson season ever, and I would watch every start start to finish. Because yeah. I would I would just want to see, like, how freaking dominant he was. Yeah. So you can compare across era. Like, it, it is impossible to compare across era. Um, I saw Bob Cousy doing some cool shit with, like, behind-the-back passes the other day. But, like, Alfred Sangoon, like, that – that center for the Rockets, like he might just absolutely body George Mikan. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, so what I do want to say about DeGrom and the tandem that the Mets have is Mets fans, obviously they've enjoyed immense success, but they have been waiting and waiting and waiting for DeGrom and Scherzer to finally pair up and throw on back-to-back days. Now they're throwing on back-to-back days for the last three starts. And Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, last three times through the rotation, have combined for 37 and a third innings, 50 punch-outs, three walks, 25 hits in 37 and a third, and six earned runs. You know what we can do? We talk about divisions, right? The NL East easily has the best two teams, I think. I said easily, and then I said I think. Yeah, easily. I just considered, I I just considered Dodgers and Padres, but I'm taking Mets and Braves over Dodgers and Padres. Yeah. Yes, yes. I'm that taking Mets so over elite. You could argue that they're both top four teams in the same division. You don't get that and until you look back on like the Yankee Red Sox days. Yeah. And I don't think there was ever really a point where Cardinals Cubs were that good or Cardinals Brewers were that good. Like Dodgers have always been well, the front runners. Like Giants and Dodgers last yeah, year. Yeah, think about last year. Dodgers, incredible. Giants. So that's a really good one too. But the Giants, I mean, prove that that was kind of fluky. Like the Braves have just been here and the Mets are way too loaded for that ever to be fluky. And then, you know, maybe years with the Astros, not really central in the American League, not really. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of historic company that I think these two teams are in right now of how elite they are at the top. Yeah, the the only the only um, tandem this year that I think comes close to competing are the Cubs and Pirates in the NL Central. I think those <laughs> are the only two that get anywhere close. Um, but yeah, the 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 Mets and Braves are just freakazoids. Uh, Corbin Burns has had a really good stretch. Yes, um, he has. He's just striking out a bunch of dudes. Um, yeah. Aside from that, like Christian Javier been great. 11 hits over 18 innings. He's got a 1-5 ERA in his last three starts. Um, so I, I'm all the way here for that. I'm all the way here whenever I can pump up some Christian Javier stuff. Um, and then Jaymont, man, let's admit, Jaymont looks good as a St. Louis Cardinal. 11 scoreless innings. Real good. Another guy, we got to admit, Aranola has been shoving. Nola, eight innings. You were just at that game in New York with Arm. No, I was at the Wheeler game where he got blown up. But the NOLA game, that was on Saturday, Saturday. Was Nola against DeGrom. DeGrom. And 
he really kept up with DeGrom. I mean, he was against, in my opinion, a better offense, and Nola was on the road where he's performed better this year. But going into City Field to face the Mets, who just lost, that's a real tough start, and he shoved. Like, those type of starts where you go in to your division rival when they're due to get a win anyway because you just won the day before, very, very impressive stuff from Aaron Nola. Yes. Very impressive. Let's get into the PU. Yeah. Stinky. Stinky. There's been no one stinkier than Brad Keller lately. I mean, oh my God. 10.43. Are you kidding me? 762 whip. You kidding me? Negative war. You kidding me? 14 and two thirds innings. He's walking almost as many people as he's striking out. He's given up three home runs per nine innings. Just getting blown up and start after start after start for Brad Keller. Um, Not to say that he shouldn't be in the Royals rotation because the Royals need arms, but Someone to watch. Two aces. I don't know if you can call them aces, but you can definitely call them number twos. Logan Gilbert, 9-3-9 ERA. I'll give him a slight break, face the Yankees in two of those starts. But Rangers kind of hit him. Rangers kind of hit him. The Rangers have a good offense, but the Rangers kind of hit him. 9.39 ERA in that span. He's 0-1 in three starts. Walking exactly as many as he's striking out per nine innings at 5.28. That ain't good. Miles Michaelis. Ew, dude. Seven, nine, four ERA in 17 innings. FIP and XFIP are much lower. Maybe you got a bit unlucky because you ain't walking anybody. He was at Coors. He got blown up at Coors. 10 earned runs. That ain't going to help you. Yeah. So I'm not putting a ton of stock into that one, but still kind of iwi, dude. Don't give up tenor and runs at Coors. Yeah, don't do it. Um, don't do that. That's gross, dude. You shouldn't only, be. You're Miles Michaelis. Be better than that. Yeah. Um. Only other guy I got to shout out is Marco Gonzalez. Oh. Dude has given up 26 hits in his last <laughs> 16 and a third. I mean, just a billion. He's going out there and wearing it Patrick Corbin style. Keegan Thompson, dude, stop getting hit by the Reds. What are you doing? 12 and a third inning since August began. You have a 7-3 ERA. You're better than that, Keegan. You're better than that. You know it. You've got to strike out more than 4.38 per nine innings. you got to do that. You, Keegan, you got to do Come that. On, man. Come on, man. <laughs> Jameson Town, figure it out, dude. You pitch fine against the Red Sox, I guess, but you got a 5-3 ERA in 18 innings. Stop. Be better. Don't be a five-starter. Be a good three. I've seen it before. Don't fall into old tie-on. Be good tie-on. Luis Garcia just went on the aisle, so I don't want to r- ring him through the mud. But 5-2-1 ERA in 19 innings ain't going to help you. Yeah. Maybe he was a little bit injured. Give him a break. Anyone else who's been a little stinky? Jose Barrios, King. <laughs> Ooh. Garbage. Seven and two-thirds, 14 hits. Two strikeouts for Barrios. Like, Barrios' strikeout numbers are so ridiculously low this year. I have no idea how that happens. Because, like, Barrios' stuff was vomit-inducing in Minnesota. It was so nasty. But here he is in 122 innings, striking out 108 guys. That is nothing. Nothing. I... I don't get what's going on with Jose Barrios. Thankfully, we've got a lot of other guys to look at. Um... I can wrap us with the best pitching matchups the front end of this week if you want. 
go for it. My only thing is with Jose Brios is I look at heat maps and I look at everything middle. I can't be, that's a very simplified version of it. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's not like I see a drop up in stuff. Really? I mean, it's just throwing everything down the penis and you're hoping that it doesn't get hit when it's going to get hit. I kind of, I know we, we curse a decent bit on this show, but like penis is, might be crossing (laughs) a line. It might be crossing a line. (laughs) We never edit these in the middle. We might edit it. We'll probably leave it. <laughs> that was a lot. Um, no, I, so last night, uh, do want to shout out one or damn three. I want to shout out three that I was watching last night, uh, blocked off my schedule to watch Joe Musgrove and Sandy Alcantara at 640 at 8:10, watching Julio Rios and Freddie Peralta in mm. Milwaukee. And then at 938, watching Luis Castillo and Shoei Otani in Anaheim. Mm. Damn. And then Xavion Curry making his major league debut. I love Curry. Aram loves Curry. Um, I saw Curry in high A last year. I have kept very close tabs on Xavion Curry. Dude is a freak athlete. He was an incredible shortstop in high school, went to Georgia Tech, turned it into their Friday guy, um, I want to say. And uh, Curry, I, he's just another really good four-pitch Guardians pitching prospect that I think is a lot better than Hunter Gaddis, who they gave a shot to. Um, and I think can be as good as a guy like Logan Allen or uh, Tanner Burns in that system. Medium hard hitting take. He has a better performance than Brian Bayo did in his debut or DL Hall has in his debut. Yes. The reason yes. why I say it's easy, both those dudes got blown up in the trap. He gets to face the Tigers at home in the second game of a doubleheader. It's Correct. almost a guarantee he does. Correct. And Curry is also a guy that can just pound the strike zone with four pitches. DL Hall, like, okay, great. Yeah. Read the velocity on the fastball. Read about the slider and how disgusting it is. He doesn't know where pitches are going. Xavion Curry knows where pitches are going. Um, So those are the three last night. What? So nasty. He could be so good. I see why everybody loves him. I was watching that start. He wasn't even up to 100 like we've seen in the No, he was like 97. But it's just like he's so gross. Yeah, oh, he's going to be exciting. He's gross. No, he's going to be a fun swingman for the O's in September. Um, oh, oh, I thought you were saying like moving forward. I thought you were like bashing on him. I was like, no, no you can't no. say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, another one that I want to shout out tonight for your viewing pleasure might be the game of the year. We we labeled it game of the year at the beginning of the year when McClanahan was facing Garrett Cole in Rays Yankees. Verlander and Cease in Chicago is going to be nuts this game might decide the saigon i'm not yes best pitchers duel of the year can't call it a game when the white Sox are in it yes okay that's fair fair? um (laughs) that's fine and then the game tomorrow night in chicago is framber valdez and michael kopech which Mm. is gonna also be really really enjoyable so you're on for some free merch from your own company i know um i'm hoping that cope dude i love framber yeah, you got to hope that Cueto somehow outdeals Road or Keedy, who's been awful. Uh, I do have an opportunity to have Giolito beat Luis Garcia on Thursday afternoon. Luis Garcia is returning? Yeah. Are you sure it's going to be him? Because uh, I think he's the a scheduled starter, but didn't he just go out? I think it might be somebody else. Is he on the IL now? I think so. Luis Garcia. Astros. Google News. Uh, no, he's good. He's gonna Am start. I smoking something? You might be. Might be. That weird ganj. All right. Um, everybody enjoy Verlander and Cease. 
Yes. Call in sick tomorrow. Don't forget your merch. Yes. If you want to play prize picks along with us, use code just baseball. That's in our episode description. The ultimate. The ultimate. And with that, thank you, everybody. 